0: This morning's scripture is from Mark chapter two. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest and ate the bread of presence which is not lawful for any to eat but the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Last week, if you remember, we were looking at Hebrews 3, and we talked about entering God's rest, and that being the antithesis to following a life of of stubborn refusal, of rebellion that hardens your heart and leads you into unbelief and to to all kinds of problems and we said we needed to encourage one another because that's a a daily opportunity to be hardened in sin or to preach the gospel to yourself and that was our last point is that the daily gospel of wrestling with unbelief and applying faith, that you would enter into God's rest as you would believe the gospel and, and be at peace knowing that God has got you in his grace And if you were to keep reading in Hebrews 4, it talks about entering into God's seventh day or his Sabbath rest. And so today we're going to move from the daily gospel to the weekly gospel. That God has given us liturgy that allows us the opportunity to better understand his grace and mercy and what he's done for us in Jesus. And we want to make use of that opportunity. I'm going to argue this morning that the Old Testament Sabbath is recreated in the lord's day and it's a great opportunity for us to grow in grace in our walk with jesus let's pray god we pray that you would uh, have your way in this time that you would make use of it for our spiritual nourishment and growth in grace we pray that the things that you want us to hear uh, from you would be loud and clear and the things of me would be forgotten God, we know that this uh, topic is prone to all kinds of opinions and um, uh, feelings. God, we pray that you guard us from from anything negative and help us to uh, acknowledge you and and seek to humble ourselves and hear from you in this time, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read to you the foreword to a book I've been reading on the Sabbath. Um, This is by Wendell Berry. We are living at the climax of industrialism. The cheap fossil fuels on which our world has grown dependent have now become expensive in money and in lives. The industrial era at climax, in the panic, uh, panic of long anticipated decline, has imposed on us all its ideals of ceaseless pandemonium. The industrial economy, by definition, must never rest. Rest would deprive us of light, heat, food, water, and everything else we need or think we need. The economic impulse of industrial life is limitless. Whatever we have in whatever quantity is not enough. There is no such thing as enough. Our bellies and our wallets must become oceanic, and still they will not be full. To rest, we are persuaded, we must get away. But getting away involves the haste, speed, and noise, and the auxiliary pandemonium of escape. There is, by the prevailing definition, escape, but there is no escape from escape. Or there is none unless we adopt the paradoxical and radical expedient of just stopping. When I was a younger man, I was in church, and I heard a family talking about the Sabbath, and our need to experience God's rest and make use of Sunday for the glory of God, for our own healing. And I, and I didn't want to hear it. And I realized because when I was younger, we, I didn't go to church. I went to, to my grandmother's house and we had like a mini family reunion every Sunday and it was, it was fun. And when I became a Christian, I went off to, to college. And when I would go to church at college, I'd come back and the campus on Sunday afternoons was, was dead. And everyone was sleeping or tired or studying or whatever. And I didn't see anybody and it just it felt depressing. And I hated Sundays. I was lonely. I felt isolated on a college campus. And when I read the Westminster Confession of Faith, I thought it, it sounded like a religious work day. That really what God wanted, what, what the, confess, the confession was saying was that I need to come back from church. And I need to bury my face in the Bible. And I need to be devout and on my knees and spend the whole day like that. And it was more than I could bear. And so when I heard someone talking about this, I thought, oh, well, that's just, that's like Old Testament religion. And I think I was really missing the concept of the joy that God intends for us to experience in sabbatical rest. But it leaves us with a bunch of questions. Wasn't the Sabbath on Saturday? Why is it on Sunday? What are we to do on that day? How are we to make the best use of it? What should we avoid? Um, is it a day that I go to church and then after that it's just whatever I want to do that makes me feel refreshed? I just—is uh, it—is it family time? Is it—you uh, know—is it okay for me to miss church? Can I go to a restaurant? Can I go shopping? Um, these are questions that I'm going to try to answer for you. Uh, but I've already said that God's mandate to rest is to cease from work, to cease from striving, and to worship. And this is a a construct, it's a liturgy that God gives us as a way to be very particular and intentional about observing that week to week, that it would program our thinking and even our lifestyle. And I'm convinced that people worship on Sunday. The question is, who or what are you worshiping? Did you know that by far, the greatest use of pornography is on Sundays, So I have to ask you, what is it that you can't wait to get to? When you want this to be over, what is it that you're trying to escape to? Where are you finding your rest? And there may be good things, but they may be larger than God. The idols are typically good things that we have misplaced their emphasis. So that's a good question for you to to analyze. What am I worshiping on Sunday? If I'm correct and we're all worshiping on Sunday, what is it? And that's an opportunity for you to think, is it, is it sports, is it self-indulgence, um, is it family solidarity? In other words, what, what is the thrust of your existence? Sunday will help be an indicator for you. Now, I want to talk about the Sabbath in three parts, the three parts of this sermon. One is going to be the theology in the background. Then I'm going to talk about what I think should be avoided and what I think should be pursued. Now, I say, I think because this is a topical sermon in a topical series. Which means I do not have time to exposit all the different passages on the Sabbath. I will only make brief reference to them as, uh, as, as some proof texts and what we've just read. Um, and you'll have to take my word for it, but I don't want you to take my word for it. Because I'm building a systematic theology Biblical theology, you exegete a passage and you bring theological implications right out of the text. Systematic theology is like to take all these different concepts from the Bible and bring them together into a system or a doctrine. Which means there's more likely to be error and you should regard what I say with higher scrutiny. So I want to tell you what I think, my perspective, but yes, my perspective is educated and it is pastoral. So it's not Nothing. But you need to work these things out for yourself. And I guarantee that someone in here is going to be mad at me by the end of the sermon. And I, 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 I'm sorry, okay? I'm just trying to be faithful to what I think God would have me say to you this morning. So that's my, my caveat. Let's look at the theology, the background of the Sabbath. In the Old Testament, we've, we've seen this in this series already, God mandated rest. And it was a creation ordinance. Just like marriage. It is part of what God has communicated in the very beginning, and it is for all of life. When he says to keep the Sabbath, he said, for your servants and your animals, it is for everyone. It is is a mandate as part of creation that is for all of the living. And six days they would work, and then they would rest. And that was an opportunity for the Old Testament saint, an opportunity to acknowledge that God is sovereign, that he is controlled. That they do not have to overwork. They do not have to worry and stress. God has got things under control. And they would acknowledge that he is loving, that he provides. They were not uh, to, to run their own lives. They can cease to rule the world because God is ruling the world. So it was a gift. But the Sabbath was regularly desecrated. Either by working or by idol worship. Which would extend to just doing whatever you want to do. And there were serious consequences. People died in this disobedience. And so the Sabbath was an opportunity to recalibrate your life around the goodness of God. As you surrender to Him and trust Him. And you believe upon His character and His graciousness. But it became religious. By the time of Jesus, it was a way of controlling and and, and being self-righteous. As you thought that you were keeping the Sabbath. But the idea of Sabbath is more than just personal piety that the Pharisees were were trying to control. The idea of Sabbath had other institutions like the seven year sabbatical. There was a year every seven years where they were to release prisoners and people who were in in bondage of, of servitude. They were to forgive all debts. They were to let the land rest. And Israel never did this. They didn't care about societal Shalom. And God sent them into exile, and the scriptures say that the number of years that they were in exile were the same number of years that they refused to give the land rest. And so there's a bigger concept of the Sabbath. It's not just what Sunday looks like, but what, what does it mean for us to acknowledge God's control in all areas? The Shalom of society, the reign of God. The restoration of all that is broken. And therefore, Sabbath is to be a foretaste of the coming powers. And if you remember, in the lesson about manna, they had to go out and gather manna before the Sabbath. They had to prepare. You can't just, you know, wake up and say, well, who are we going to eat? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. They had to go get that manna and have it for the Sabbath or they didn't have anything to eat. So there was preparation that it would be an event for them. A weekly event. And again, it was meant to be to their blessing and their worship. God provided a a liturgy, a construct to help them understand what it means to enter his rest. To by faith receive the good news of his healing and restoration. But Israel... Refused to be concerned with the social aspects of Sabbath. Not a lot has changed. And they made it a religion where they felt self righteous and it was not about spiritual wellness and worship. Enter Jesus Christ and the New Testament. And Jesus comes feasting and celebrating. And his disciples have this new sense of freedom as they pluck the heads of grain. And Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Meaning the Sabbath is about me. And man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. It's again, God's gift an opportunity for you to understand what it means to be in a relationship with God. Not an opportunity for you to feel self-righteous. So Jesus is establishing a reworking, a re-understanding A new order when it comes to the Sabbath. He's granting greater freedom. And by the way, Jesus is doing all manner of healing. And he particularly chose the Sabbath in order to heal. And I think that even speaks further, that Jesus is telling us what life is really supposed to be about. That the Sabbath is more than just this this moment of rest... It's a concept where God is going to bring about complete restoration and make all things new. It is very appropriate for Jesus to be healing on the Sabbath. Jesus expands the idea of personal piety to social justice. And he's demonstrating the recreation. Now, when I was in Philadelphia, there was a Seventh-day Adventist who was having a Bible study. And I was attending And we were studying all things about the scripture. And I think it was culminating and directed to the the one thing he really wanted to talk about was the Sabbath. Because the Seventh-day Adventist believes that the Sabbath is still on Saturday. And they will use all kinds of Old Testament passages that will scare you about God's feelings about them breaking the Sabbath, about the Sabbath being changed or profaned. And the question becomes, how do I, as a Christian, argue that the Sabbath has been moved to Sunday and has been recreated? And I've mentioned this, in, as far as Jesus is healing and the way that he brought this perspective, that it was a gift and not a, a point of religious self-righteousness. But as we talked about this, it, it started to get a little ugly. And as I made mention that the New Testament believers met on the first day of the week, and they called it the Lord's Day. And in my thinking, you have Old Testament institutions that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ and then in some way reinstituted. For example, you have circumcision. Circumcision is fulfilled in Jesus Christ as he circumcises our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's been reinstituted as what? As baptism. And there was the Passover where they fed upon the lamb that protected them from the angel of death. And the whole sacrificial system All of that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ He is the Paschal Lamb We feed upon Jesus And by his sacrifice we're saved from the angel of death But it's been reinstituted as what? As the Lord's Supper Both of those, by the way, are now bloodless And they, they, they're fuller, they're freer They're in further extent And I believe the Sabbath of the Old Testament Is fulfilled in Jesus Who is our Sabbath he is our way to God. He is our relationship, our peace, our joy. Jesus Christ is what it's all about. But the early church, and, and in the scripture, not just, not just church fathers, but in the book of Acts, we see that on the first day of the week, they called it the Lord's Day. They met to hear the apostles' teaching. They were breaking bread together, I believe, taking the sacrament. They were in prayer. Okay, they were in a community. And I think this is a reinstitution of an Old Testament uh, idea that was satisfied in Jesus But now reinstituted Remember The Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments Written in stone And I think there's permanence in it And that was his argument And I said but it's been recreated And that, all, that, all that understanding Of looking to the next age Was lost on this brother The Seventh Day Adventist And he said well they, what they did is They met on Saturday And they stayed so late That it carried over into Sunday And I said, that's not what it says. It says they gathered on the first day of the week. And he said, well, if you don't worship God on the Sabbath, you're violating all these scriptures and you don't love Jesus. You're following the way of the Antichrist that has moved the Sabbath. That's pretty heavy. And I realized we're not going to get much further. And as I was uh, leaving at the end of the study, I didn't get up and leave, but at the end of the study, I was walking out and I turned around and I said, I love Jesus and I worship on Sunday. You know, slam! Get down the street. Let me read to you a passage from Colossians 2 that gives me the confidence that I have. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, or a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So the disciples understood this, that on the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week, see, before it was work and then rest. But in the new world order, in the the flourishing of the covenant, is now rest. It is acknowledge the goodness of God by the resurrection. The resurrection, not the resurrections of the Bible where someone was brought back from the dead only to die again later. This is Jesus Christ, the first fruits of the resurrection. The recreating of your body that will be made immortal. You will never die again. That is the resurrection that we're looking forward to. The glorification of our very bodies and the freedom from sin completely. And the freedom from all the things that infect us. The early church fathers referred to Sunday as the eighth day. There were seven days and then there was the eighth day. Again, the new world order. The new kingdom come. Where Jesus Christ and the resurrection are what we are looking forward to. So it is a day of feasting. Of relationship, of community, of prayer, of thanksgiving, of healing, and of giving. And this is what we see in the book of Acts and in the early church. They're concerned with the future glory and the shalom of society where there's no more clan. There's no more poverty. There's no more sickness or death or brokenness. Sunday, as the day of the resurrection, is a foretaste of the new heavens and the new earth. And therefore, it is when we worship God. So yes, I do believe you should celebrate the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, as you seek to enter into God's rest in a particular way, that you, would, that you would recalibrate your entire outlook on life and it would inform your entire lifestyle. As the writer of this book says, we clearly need to show, slow down our living and become more attentive to the evidences of grace that surround us. Tim Keller says, Sabbath is therefore a declaration of our freedom. It means that you are not a slave. Not to your culture's expectations, your family's hopes, your medical school's demands, not even your own insecurities. To practice Sabbath in a disciplined and faithful way is to remember that you are not the one who keeps the world running. Or provide for your family or even the one who keeps your work projects moving forward. So, Sunday is an opportunity for you, for us, to come together and to reprogram our thinking each week because we forget every day. But this is a unique opportunity that it would, it would give us a paradigm shift as we consider the world around us. I was watching a, a YouTube video of a comedian, someone had sent me, and the guy was saying, uh, I remember a time when my mother had a cake that was in the freezer and it was only there for company to come and people used to knock on your door and you're like oh there's company and you'd invite them in and you'd talk and you'd get out the cake and cut the cake and give it to them and i was watching this video i said oh yeah i remember that people used to come to your house and you were there and they knock on the door, and they come in, and my mom had a cake, it was one of those coconut layer cakes, it was in the freezer. She'd get it out and cut it up, and I'm like, I, I can relate to what this guy is saying. There was a time, right? And he says, now, if people come to the door, it's like, shh, 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 shh. turn the lights off, get down. Maybe they'll go away. And he's trying to be funny, I get he's he's a comedian, um, but I started thinking about that Wow, how things have really changed Our society seems to be so much more broken So much busier And I'm beginning to feel as I age Like the, the vice just trying to squeeze the life out of me And, you know, I, children, kids Do you know what's out there in the backyard? Right? Did you know that I don't think kids today know this You can take a jar and you can put black ants and red ants in the jar And they'll fight I learned that just being out in the yard with a jar. You see, I had time. I was decompressed. I was exploring. I didn't, the only game we could play was Pong, and my uncle had it. And it was, you know, we thought that was great. But before there were any games on the TV screen, you were in the yard. You know what? I, I discovered that you take a praying mantis and put it in the jar, and then you put a grasshopper in the jar. The praying mantis will eat the head off the grasshopper. It's Wild Kingdom. Who needs the Discovery Channel? It's right there in your yard, right? But I, kids today would be like, what's a praying mantis? Is that an app that I download? I say to kids, when was the last time you dammed up a creek and ruined your shoes? I have a friend who says that his, his, his children throughout the high school years They played video games in their own basements. They were playing on the internet because they wanted the whole TV for their their view. They didn't want to have a divided view. And he said, they never go out. They never get in any trouble. They're just in the basement playing each other over the internet. And he said, hey, get out of here. Go do something. Like, go, go explore. Parents, adults, when was the last time that you felt the freedom and the wonderment of discovery, of being a kid, of being decompressed, the joy of living. I don't know about you, but as I get older, as I said, I feel the pressure just squeezing and trying to crush out my soul and snuff me out as some robot given over to society's concerns. Sabbath is contrary to that. Sabbath is for our benefit. God really does love you and he does know what's best for you. And he wants you to live a full and abundant life. Which means you cannot be a slave to the systems. You have to live in the freedom of the gospel. And reprogram your thinking. As the Beatles said, the best things in life are free. Now consider this, the world would have you be full of anxiety, excess, exhaustion, abuse, destruction, isolation, greed, fear, hate, disease, arrogance, and ceaselessness. But the concept from God of Sabbath comes and says, no, life is about abundance, enjoyment, celebration, community, justice, mercy, giving, receiving, trusting, healing, gratitude, relationship, feasting, serenity, and worship. And this is an opportunity that you would experience that As a community, so there's to be joy and feasting and celebration. And when you come in here and we're singing a song that you like, don't be afraid to go like this. Because that's how a child tells his father he wants to be picked up. Our lives are to be full of sabbatical rest, even in the midst of trying circumstances, because God is. Because He is sovereign and He is loving and He's got you in His grace. So let me move into phase two here. What do I think you should avoid on the Sabbath day? I think you should avoid making it a day all about your own desires. That God should be preeminent, first and foremost. I do think that you need to do things that are refreshing, and that's going to be different for each person. But in in an intentional way, a thoughtful way, you've considered what is best For you to experience the Sabbath And you have made appropriate plans I think that you should avoid work I think that you should avoid the preoccupation of work I think that you should avoid other people working Which means that you should not pump gas You should not go to a restaurant You should not go shopping You don't want your rest to be at the expense of someone else's work now, I'm not religious about this. There are times when you, it can't be avoided. You need to provide for your family, and Sunday you, you have to work. And maybe there's, there's, there's wisdom in there and when you talk to your boss, when you draw a line in the sand, and when you don't. I work on Sunday. Policemen work on Sunday. Doctors work on Sunday. I cannot get up here and back without pumping gas. And when I'm up here, there are times when I've been invited into some of your homes, and I've gone and... and uh, enjoy that. There are other times when my family and I have packed a cooler to avoid going to uh, a restaurant. But there are other times when I've met friends here and I don't want to feed them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich out of my cooler. And we've gone to a restaurant. And I have freedom to do that freedom in the revamping of the Sabbath. Again, there's a wide range of opinions on this. But this is my perspective I'm going to think of the day as what can be the best use of this day For my benefit and the benefit of the shalom of the world And I think that means I'm going to try to avoid making other people work I certainly am going to try to avoid working Of course, preaching the gospel is, uh, as I said, I'm working And Jesus says, I and my Father are working in the the works of restoration All right, not a point of judgment, Colossians 2 But a point of, of intentionality now, here's where someone's going to get angry. Okay, let me just, um, I don't think that you should participate in organized sports. I would never go to the YMCA and work out on a Sunday. I would never have someone open the, the, the facility and run the lights and all that stuff for me to come work out. My sons played travel ball a couple summers ago, and it was really a burden. Because every weekend, running and gunning. And thankfully, that program avoided Sundays. But even just the intensity of Saturday. And then I think of other parents that are running all week and every weekend. Getting some hotel out of town. Spending all that money. And I say, why? You need to think about this. What opportunity is being missed to have corporate worship. To be with the people of God. To really experience the Sabbath as God intended. It can be harmful to your children and to you. Something to consider I know people will disagree. I would ask, or in my opinion, you should avoid any system of oppression, exploitation, anything that robs the shalom of society. Not just on Sunday, but anytime. That you should be aware that people are being used. And you, wanting the Sabbath of God to come across society, are not to participate. You are to speak against Lastly, I think you need to uh, make sure that you're not overworking. In general, that you are living a balanced life, which I've already preached a sermon on. One time, I went to a Lowe's and I saw my pastor there. It was a Sunday night, and he saw me and he was kind of visibly shaken. He said, uh, uh, "You know, I'm. I usually don't come out on Sundays. Um, I, um, this is a, a particular event. I, I, you know, I needed something, and I was planning the week and." And I said, it's okay. I'm here too, right? But there's an understanding, mutual understanding between us. It wasn't for me at the time, but now that, that it's not the best use of Sunday. But you're free in the goodness of Jesus Christ. And you have to work these things out. That's my, that is my professional opinion of what you should avoid. Okay. Now, what should you pursue? What should the Sabbath look like? What should you do? And I think the best way, the most memorable way is to to think of the Sabbath like a wedding. A wedding is an event that you have to plan for. In a wedding, you have to forsake all others and belong to one, and that's Jesus. That that day you are focusing on Christ and your intention to belong to God. It is a day where you experience the joy of union and intimacy as you consider life together. It's also a day of celebration and feasting as you have a reception. There's a party to celebrate that union. So with that in mind, let me describe to you my perfect Sabbath. Okay, my perfect Sunday. It would begin with a time of private contemplation. Stillness before God as I evaluate the seriousness of the day. As I marvel at the meaning of being United to Jesus Christ through faith and his work on the cross and the lifelong implications. Then I would like to have core family time, maybe around the breakfast table. Some place where we are having face-to-face deep connection. Then I would want to go to Sunday school. A Sunday school that was um, social and relational, but also structured and purposeful. And that would be kind of like you're getting ready with your groomsmen or your bridesmaids. You know, it, it's relational and it's meaningful, but it's also got a purpose. You're getting ready for something. And then the worship service itself, where we come together and we experience what you cannot experience on your own. And you can't sing with this many voices. And you can't have the preparation of the music and, you, and, the, and the liturgy. And you're not necessarily qualified to bring the preaching of the word. And the sacrament, the things that are, that are common to us, the signs and the pictures of the gospel as God communicates both in word and invisible words. Yet God has means of grace available to us in the Sabbath. That is a great opportunity for us. in corporate worship as we together exalt God, sing and give thanks, humble our hearts and receive his gospel proclamation. To me, the culmination of the service is here. It's not the preaching; it's the sacrament. And this, to me, is like the the uh, you may now kiss the bride. I now pronounce you man and wife. This is the point where we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, commune with Jesus Christ in a special way as a body of believers, and we feed upon Him and we're nourished in our faith. Then, depending on who you are, for me, I would like one of the meals remaining lunch or dinner to be with people and the other part of the day I want some some personal time I want to decompress and that's going to look different for every person this is going to vary right? some of you are more extroverted some of you are more introverted Um, if you work a hard job during the week then this time of of the Sabbath a nap is really appropriate because it provides you with physical rest and restoration maybe you sit in an office all week and come the middle of Sunday, the best thing for you to do is hike out in the mountains and experience God's creation and, and do something physical. But the Sabbath should be a time of refreshment, something separate than the week, something different, something particular. You know, my family, we have we have treats on the Sabbath. It's a cheat day, diet-wise, right? It's a feasting day. And that makes it special. And you say, well, it, it sounds indulgent. Well, it, if, if you're thinking through these things and, it's, and God is at the center of them, then... It's what he wants. He wants celebration. He wants feasting. He wants socialization. He also wants you to be to have that time of decompression, that private time that you need. You can make that as private or as social as you want. And then, then there's the wedding reception, right? Then there's the coming back together with God's people, some friends. You have a meal. There could be drinking and laughing. You play games. You could pray. You could study the Bible. You could watch a movie. You can dance. You're to have a good time in the graces of God who's freed you by the cross. That is worth your celebrating. So get together with God's people and celebrate. Also, reach out to others in that community. That in your fullness and joy of being with God's people, it's an opportunity to invite others in, that they would experience God's love and community. It's a great opportunity. A good use of the Sabbath day. Lastly, and I'm going to either br- blush or some of you are going to blush. But what I like to see on the Sabbath is a time to consummate with my wife. Now I know not everyone is married. I apologize if this is troubling to you or hard to hear. But marriage is a metaphor of God's love for his church. And as I'm trying to show you this picture of the Sabbath as a wedding, as our union with Jesus Christ, this is an opportunity for married folks to experience that which is not an end to itself, but is a sign of a greater reality. Just as the Sabbath is, just as your whole marriage is a metaphor to a greater reality of God's love for the church. That act, that marital act, is saying that one day, though we be exposed and naked before God, the Lord. We will be loved and received. That we will be uh, completely healed and forgiven, and there will be intimacy and union and pleasure. That the new heavens and the new earth, everything is satisfied. And all that you could ever want comes from God the very goodness of God. So, that too is something that would be a, a, a good use of the Sabbath day. And some of you said, amen, privately. Amen. Okay. <laughs> so think about this. Sunday is an event. You've got to plan for it. You've got you to be intentional. You've got to think about it. And what you put into it is largely what you'll get out of it. And this is an opportunity here, the corporate part. But it's bigger. It's, it's, and it's societal. It's, it's, it programs your whole life. So, you tired on Monday? Who cares? Just get through Monday. But you make Sunday the event. Okay? Now, I want to wrap this up and say once again, Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. The gospel is our rest. That God has made a way for us to stop our striving, to stop our foolishness, to turn away from it, That it had consumed us and killed us in our sin. And God has brought us to life through his Holy Spirit. He's united us to Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we are made whole. And one day, the entire world and the universe will be completely restored by the power of the cross. And that certainly means your resurrection as you hold to the gospel by faith. Jesus died for you on the cross. And his grace is sufficient. And you, brethren, have the opportunity to experience in increasing fashion his Sabbath and his rest, which is a foretaste of salvation. Come to the Lord Jesus, receiving by faith. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for the opportunity to look at your word, to look at some theology and some suggestions from a pastor. I do pray that you would use them according to your glory. I don't know. Uh, with great confidence um, if I've been faithful to what you would have me say. um, But we know that it's you who changes hearts. It's you who changes lives and minds. And we just commit this time to you and ask that the things of me would go away once again and the things of you would shine brightly and that Jesus would shine brightly in our hearts now as we prepare our hearts uh, for the table. In his name, amen.